Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2021 Director of Virtual Programs for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Leticia Niago, Vice President of Learning for the year 2021. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, and I'm the Vice President of Finance. We also have Helena Hodges, Director of Technology and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we're interviewing Dr. Bernadette Costello, a coach and organizational development consultant focused on helping individuals, teams, and organizations dream big and transform those dreams into reality. Welcome, Bernadette. Hello. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You know, what's really cool about this episode, because you are a past president, I'm a past president, Stephanie's a past president. Leticia is a president-elect for 2022, so I'm thinking our producer Helena Hodges needs to get in line for maybe 2023. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> I, I think it, it's, it is definitely the what you have to do to get into the podcast. There you go. <laughs> I love it. So now, before we jump into, I love change as long as I don't have to. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, I have a, a private coaching and consulting practice here in Northern Virginia, and I focus on working with organizations that are looking to really kind of dream big beyond where they are and aspire to something uh, really great and help them work on transforming those dreams into reality. I also coach individuals who are going through transition whether it be a life transition or a career transition, whether it's one they're living through, one that they're contemplating, one that they're thinking about. And my heartfelt place to do coaching is coaching women who have lost their voice in their organizations, and they're looking to kind of reclaim their power, reclaim their agency. Mm, I love it. So as the topic of today is change, I love change as long as I don't have to. So what's the meaning behind our title for today? Well, when you think about um, when people think about change, um, typically when um, they think about change and they hear other people talking about change, as long as it's somebody else talking about change, they'll kind of really let them know how great it is. It helps them. It's kind of a place for growth. And then when the focus starts to be with that, they might have to do something different, <laughs> or maybe they've got to change their routine. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We weren't talking about me. We were talking about you. <laughs> what well, I have to do what? So that's really kind of the title. Yeah. That's the, 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 the focus behind the title. I love that. So now, what do you mean uh, by like, it sounds like so most people, it sounds like they don't like change. What, what is, what's, what is this? Well, I, I think that that's probably true. Um, when I think about changes I've gone through, if you think about changes that you've gone through, um, you know, as I said early, just a few minutes ago, people, you know, they'll coach other people through change and they'll tell them how great it's going to be when we get on, when you get on the other side of this. 
And when they're talking about that, they're always using the word you. Um, so, and that's what we tell people when they are facing change. And when there's something that we've got to do different, something that we've got to adjust, something that we may need to alter, um, we start to find ways that we drag our feet. Um, we find ways to maybe delay the change. We talk about, um, you know, it's just not the right time to do this. You know, I don't think I'm ready. Um, you know, we'll kind of tell ourselves, well, let's just see if this really kind of takes hold before I really invest too much energy in this. Or, you know, we even deny that it's really necessary or important. And whatever, whatever our tried and true way of resisting is, we all have that way of resisting. Um, we even may show it when we're brought into the change from the outside world. Even when the outside world is forcing us to do something different, we typically kind of keep one foot in the past and kind of sit back, measure, kind of wait and see. What do we really have to do? How much energy do I have to put into that? What is this change really going to mean for me? And I think that's really the key is what is this change going to really mean for me? All change, it doesn't matter what it is, is personal. All change is all about you. Yeah. So I'm, I have to be honest, I'm one of those people that's really weird and I actually really enjoy most changes. Uh, that occurred to me, that happened to me, right? <laughs> so I, I'm very curious about what what is it that makes change so uncomfortable for people? Why do they necessarily resist it? Well, I, I you know I think um, it's when you think about change or doing something different, um, it really kind of creates a, a loss of control. There's a loss associated that we're losing something. We're having to leave something behind. And oftentimes that can create, um, you know, feeling of anxiety. Sometimes it can be uh, fear. Sometimes it can be anger. Um, it's, it's really the lack of control is really what help creates that, that angst for people. If we look back and think about um, David Rock, when he's come up with the, that acronym SCARF, that C in that acronym, which are, he talks about his five domains of behavioral influences, uh, certainty is one of those uh, domains that influence how we behave. And it's that certainty, our ability to kind of predict um, our, our future, our ability to, to be able to know that tomorrow we're going to wake up and it's going to be similar to what it is today. Um, that th when you don't have that certainty, that really creates a lot of, uh, anxiety. It creates that kind of fight or flight response in, in ourselves. And it just really kind of makes things very unsettled to not have that sense of productive, uh, predictability. Predictability gives us comfort. Yeah. So it sounds like it, there's something, and I, you've mentioned a few times before about change being externally driven. Can you share more about that? Yeah. So typically, you know, even if we are deciding to change something, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how small it is. It's because something in our environment 
has created and has been a catalyst for us to do something different. So, you know, if you think about a change, a recent change that was maybe your idea and you thought, hmm, you know, I really don't like the way I'm doing it, doing this. I really kind of want to do it something different. I don't like how this looks. I don't like how this works. Um, It's typically because something has triggered something outside of us that says something needs to be different. Hmm. So the control with the external thing, it's more when we want to do internal, uh, uh, internal change, it's we have the control. When it's external, we don't have the control. I think the internal control is, is a direct result of that external control. So for example, you may, um, you may just be kind of looking around your office or looking around your um, house and you go, hmm, I really kind of want to reorganize how this space is. That's a change. There's something that caused you to think this isn't working. Now, I've heard the term, um, so we were talking about change, but I've also heard the term transition. Is there a difference? Mm-hmm. And if so, what is it? Well, the difference, so this is really kind of goes back to the work of um, William Bridges. And who I, you know, I really feel like has got a, a, real, a, a real corner on trying to help people understand what is it about change that makes things difficult. Um, so in that, in that work or in that model that he uses, the, the change is something external, something that happens to us. And transition is our ability to process that change and to psychologically reorient ourselves with that change. So it is trying to figure out what am I losing? Um, how do I deal with that loss? How do I kind of get to that new space? And so the transition is what you do internally to that external change event. Ah, so it almost sounds like we control our response. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes. I mean, for it, the I transition. Think depends, <laughs> yeah, I think it depends on how important that that change is to you. So if it is one of those changes that you have kind of internally processed as, yeah, I really, you know, I want to, I don't like where I'm living. I want a new, I want a new house. I, I really kind of need to, to downsize. I really need to be someplace else. So you're kind of really bought into that, um, that plan and that purpose. If someone comes to you and says, you have to move, that requires you to take in that space of trying to figure out what do you mean I have to move? I like where I'm at. I don't (laughs) want to move. I'm trying to think from, from my point of view, I'm one of those folks. It's like, Hey, I'm flexible. I'm agile. I can go with the flow. You know, I may not like it, but I'll, I'll adjust. It's no big deal. What do you say about those kind of folks? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people do say that. Um, absolutely. And, you know, in fact, we oftentimes hear ourselves saying that. And we think about it when we are in that place of feeling good about the change and feeling good about being in the, in, and doing something differently. So because one of the things, uh, this person uh, named uh, Jenny Rometty, she, she wrote this, this quote, I really, really like it, is that growth and comfort cannot coexist. Yeah. <laughs> that if you're going to have growth, you're going to have some discomfort, that there's going to be some chaos, there's going to be some uncertainty. 
And even if you can see and just rationally know that that change is a good thing, it makes sense. Um, when you have to do something different, it still requires you to kind of reorient yourself and have a different kind of psychological uh, reorientation to that change. And so I do think that people can be flexible and agile. Um, and so I really like to call what I call it is just that people um, have forced agility, that they typically have to be put in a situation that causes enough maybe chaos or discomfort to be able to reacclimate to a different way of doing things or reacclimate to a different way of being. Oh, I like that. So it, like being comfortably uncomfortable, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it reminds me, uh, there was this person named Med, Meg Wheatley. She did a lot of work a long time ago. She did um, some work on and research about um, science and how the, the, the science world can help us understand change. And one of the examples that she uses is that when the scientists were um, kind of exploding the atom, they were expecting that new things would, um, that everything would just uh, fall apart into specific little tiny particles and it would all just kind of stay apart. And what they found is, is when they did that, that the, the that chaos theory is really kind of what helped explain what, what happened when they were doing the atom splitting. It really, all of those particles tried to reorganize themselves in new ways and in different ways because they were trying to find um, an, an environment that was predictable, that was consistent, and that kind of brought all of the chaos into, um, into some kind of a controlled way. And so I think that's what kind of happens to people is that we've got this chaos, kind of everything explodes, and then we find a way within that chaos to bring some certainty back into our life so that we can feel comfortable and that we can feel that our environment is somewhat predictable and consistent. Ooh, yeah. It's like there's a biological push for homeostasis. Absolutely. Back to high school biology. <laughs> That's right. And physics, even though I never took it, but it sounds good. <laughs> and for some reason, when you say chaos theory, what keeps popping up is Jurassic World for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, life will exactly. find a way. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's just that that forced agility, you know, without finding that new equilibrium, um, you know, you, you have to be forced to kind of create that new equilibrium. Yeah. So, what are some strategies for creating that new equilibrium, right, to help us get through that event or that transition? Well, there's, there's lots of things that, that people can do. Um, one of the things is that they can kind of replace what it was changed. Something, if something was really lost, they, they could replace it with something else. Um, they can uh, potentially redefine what their identity is and who they are and how they fit in to this new, uh, this new environment or this new way of doing things. You have the opportunity, you could reinvent. Um, your destiny, create new aspirations. You can just also do something called relinquish, which is just kind of like letting go of that old, of those old models and those old ways of doing things and really kind of create your own. And I just want to just share one example of just personal 
forced agility and what it looks like. So I, I know COVID is a really overused example, and we're all tired of COVID. We're tired of COVID stories. But I'm going to use it because it really works really well, um, kind of really summarizing a, a lot of what I've said. So about two years ago, before everything in Northern Virginia kind of shut down, I was teaching at Mason. And when Mason shut down, I was teaching in-person classes. I immediately had to go to virtual classes. And for those of you who know me, I, you know I am a face-to-face kind of person. <laughs> I was an absolute diehard. You can't do this stuff online. You can't do this stuff virtually. You know, you, you've got to do it face-to-face. And so I really kind of, um, I, I, if I would had to do um, virtual, I would have just gone sc- uh, kicking and screaming. I would have just said, there's no way. So when they went virtual, um, it took everybody by surprise. It really forced us to really kind of do things in a new way. So learned how to, I learned how to record lectures. I learned how to make Blackboard more resourceful. Um, I tried to make PowerPoint a little, ta- a little bit less than death. Um, and then so after the spring semester, I realized how bad it was of the job I did. And I just thought, that was really awful. I can't ever do that again. So even if the students thought it was okay, I knew it was really not okay. So over the next three months, I knew that in the fall, I was going to be teaching virtually again. I took workshops that were offered by a variety of organizations. I looked for opportunities to do some short webinars and meetings that were safe space for me so I could try out new stuff. I incorporated a lot of those approaches I learned. And then um, really kind of practice a lot of that in the, in the fall. And then in the spring, when some of those classes went back to face, face to face, you know, it wasn't like a whiplash. Like I went right back to that face to face stuff. I really, really realized that some of those applications could really be used face to face in the classroom. So I set a lot of those up, gave opportunities for links and Blackboard to use some of those applications I used in a virtual environment in a face-to-face um, session. And that, that, that uh, forcing me to be agile has made me much more effective, um, not only virtually, but also in the classroom and also with my consulting clients. And if I hadn't been forced to do that, I mean, really forced, you know, I would have really never been able to, to be as effective in using some of the applications and increasing engagement the way I am now. Yeah. You know, I think actually by the example that you brought up, I think that's also another technique that we can help. Because as you were talking, I was thinking about, wait a minute, I've been through quite a few forced agility things throughout my life that at the time, sometimes I was like, eh, but then once you look back on it, so another technique would be to look back on those times that you were forced to change that you may not have wanted to and look at all the benefits it brought you. So that might actually be another tool too. Absolutely. And with that, it's just, you know, just breathe, yeah. you know, just breathe. And, you know, it's kind of going back to that growth mindset that you really have to choose to be uncomfortable and to be willing to be uncomfortable and to be curious and moving past the fear of not knowing, uh, being willing to make those mistakes, being willing to ask others for help. Um, it just gives you so many opportunities to um, really grow in ways that you would have never done it, uh, have grown before, if you hadn't left yourself open to being uncomfortable and to being curious at the same time. 
Yeah, Brother Dad, I wanted to kind of understand how change relates to group dynamics. And what I would love to know is if you could share any kind of recommendation when we are in situations where maybe one person is ready to change, but we know that not everyone has the same readiness level, right? In other words, um, some people may be involved in so many different things. And so when there's a group dynamic and the others in the group may not be ready for the change or they might be ready for themselves, but not for the other people to change. Um, what can we do or do you have anything you can recommend so that we can make the transition or the transformation a little bit helpful or at least manage it a little bit better? Yeah, that is a, that is a great question, Letitia. And I, I get that question from clients a lot of, you know, why aren't people just getting on board? Why, why don't they understand? Why can't they see what I see? And part of that is there are a couple of things. One, you need to understand what that change actually means to those individuals. Um, because to asking them to do something different, asking them to act differently, to do a process differently, to, to um, interact differently, that means they got to let go of something. And so understanding what that change actually means to them. So what value or what is that, what, what is it that they are losing and how important is it to them? If competence is somebody, something that's really important to somebody, they like being that go-to person in an organization. And all of a sudden you're changing maybe your enterprise system and you're going to a new enterprise system. That person's no longer the go-to person. So they're losing their sense of I'm the go-to person. I'm the person that knows the answers. So being one aware of what that is, is really important and just being cognizant of spending some time thinking about that. And so in addition to that, there, there are kind of four things that I think are important to do with people. One is that you've got to really be able to create a picture for people about what that new, that new place looks like, what that new, uh, that new way of doing things lo looks like, what that change will, uh, what the picture of that change, what it will look like on the other side. So they can visually understand uh, what that looks like. You know, that picture is worth a thousand words type of um, type of adage. The other piece is that people need to understand what the purpose is. Um, they really need to you know, why are we doing this? What, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the, why is, is it really important for us to do that? So they're, it's kind of inquiring minds want to know. You really need to be able to give them a sense of what that purpose is so that they can buy into that purpose. The other piece is that people need to know what the plan is and, and not at the very end when you've got everything all tied up. You, they need to know the plan all along from the beginning to the end, even if you don't know what all the pieces are yet. Tell them the pieces that you do know. And as you start to develop new pieces or new parts of the plan, tell them what those pieces and parts are, what those, I'm sorry, those, that, what that plan is. And then lastly is give them a role, give them a part to play, give them something to do in that change so that they get invested and they know that they are part of moving to that new place. So I think if, you know, being aware of what the loss means, giving them that picture, giving them that purpose, telling them the plan and giving them a part are really critical um, to helping people 
um, move along and, and realize that they're not going to go at your speed and that is okay. Um, as long as they are continuing to move in a direction that's positive and that they are working that plan with you and they're playing their part with you, that's really the most important part. I really like those tips. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I have to say at a very micro level, I think many of us have probably seen that playing out in talent development projects, training projects that you may have been working on, especially over the last you know, 18 months or so, as I think a lot of talent development professionals have not only found themselves working in their field, but also working in change management. And you know what? It's very aligned with adult learning theory when you think about it. Adult learners love to feel like they've got ownership over whatever is going on in their training. And it's the same thing with change. And I think that kind of may answer why some of that work tends to go hand in hand so nicely. I love it. This was such a fun conversation. And fortunately, it is not quite time to let you go yet because we have hit the rapid fire question portion of today's episode. So at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guest five rapid fire style questions. Each question requires no more than 60 seconds to respond. So what do you think, Bernadette? Are you ready for some rapid fire? Oh, I could not be more ready, Stephanie. (laughs) More ready, more unread, whatever it is. We are. Well, that does not stop us from asking the first question. So here you go. Your first question today is, give us one book that all talent development professionals must read and why. All right. So I think um, my favorite talent development book is a book uh, called um, Leading with Dignity. And Mm. it is a great book uh, to help people in leadership development, supervisory development, um, individual career development. Um, You know, people really need to be treated with dignity. And it really kind of goes along line with the the whole idea of managing change and transition, that if, if you treat people as a, a human being rather than a cog in a wheel, um, it really helps them be able to really be engaged and really uh, buy into change in any kind of initiative that you are looking for. So I think I, uh, Leading with Dignity is a, one of my most favorite books. That sounds terrific. And what an important word to use in the context of working with people, right? I mean, that sounds like a must read. All right. Next up, give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. I think the tool that I recently learned about is this tool called Easy Retro. It is a great way to get people to brainstorm in a very structured way. Um, and to be able to prioritize that brainstorming and to do voting and get a pulse as, as to what's going on with the group at any point in time. I use that in my consulting. I also use that with my students when we're trying to brainstorm. So Easy Retro is a great tool. I would highly recommend uh, people using it. You can get a free, um, a free download. Can't, you, you can't do a whole lot of boards um, every month, but you just delete them and start all over again. It's a great tool. 
Yeah, I can vouch for that one too. The uh, Metro DC chapter is a big fan of using that for events and for brainstorming, strategic planning. Such a good one. So glad you mentioned that one. What is the best piece of talent development related advice you've ever been given? I think the best advice I've ever been given, it was uh, somebody who, um, it was when I was first a manager and it was my manager who said to me, you need to be careful that you're not so far out in front of people that they think you're the enemy. Oh, wow. And I think, because uh, I have a tendency to think so far ahead that, I, you know, I go from A to, to X and people are still kind of at C and I've not give helped. I haven't helped them kind of connect the dots. And that was really, really good advice uh, to help me learn to slow down and take one step at a time and make sure that people are in step rather than trying to catch up. That's really memorable. I feel like that's actually some advice I'm going to internalize and really think about. That is beautifully stated. Nice one. All right. What is one thing that you're excited about that's coming up in the next year? Well, this is kind of like a plug for Metro DC. Um, I am really um, looking forward to being the director of uh, volunteer volunteers and engagement. Um, you know, I, I think coming out of having to do everything virtually and working to try to move into creating inroads with people that we had before, I think is a really great space to be uh, the director of volunteer volunteering and engagement to really help connect with people in a different way and reconnect with people um, to really kind of grow our community and um, really kind of bring it to the next level and also using that position to really build some bench strength in our volunteer bank um, so that our, our leadership can really be very strong um, over the next five years or so and building kind of that bench strength. You know, we will take that plug for chapter service, but we will also raise you a, we're really glad you're coming back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so glad you're going to be back on the board of directors. It's a fun place to volunteer for sure. All right. Last rapid fire question for you today is, what is the one thing within our chapter or our industry that you are deeply grateful for right now? I think the one thing that I'm really grateful for is the the ability to just the sense of community that uh, has grown out of um, people having to figure out a whole bunch of things very differently over the last couple of years. And I have that has really grown my network in ways that I would have never grown had I not uh, been in that situation. So I have connections across the whole country now uh, doing a variety of different things through ATD um, and some other initiatives that were um, done in the space of trying to help talent development uh, professionals in the work area space, people who were either outsourced or people who had lost their jobs and really kind of needing to create some new connections. And I think that that is, that is really kind of been a really good space to be able to give back in that um, I have really, even though I, you know, I wasn't on the end of the receiving 
as much as the people who were part of those initiatives. I got so much from being part of their space um, and really being um, able to kind of hear their stories and really help them um, kind of recover from really difficult things. That that has just been such a really wonderful, um, a wonderful opportunity to be able to give back to a community that I feel has really given me a lot in terms of my own development and my own career path. Yeah, that's amazing. And you're right. There have been some bright spots that have come out of the last 18 months, and there will continue to be bright spots. And a big part of that is what we've been able to do for each other over distances, expanding those networks and building those communities. That's great. Bernadette, we are so happy you joined us today to share your wisdom with us and our listeners. Thank you. You are very welcome. It's been great. I really enjoyed that conversation and those rapid fire questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and a thank you to my co-hosts. Yeah, this has been so much fun. You've given me a ton to think about, especially because I think change is such an important part of talent development these days. I really enjoyed this conversation. Agreed. Always thought-provoking. Thank you so much, Bernadette. Oh, you're welcome, Letitia. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Letitia. Thank you for Helena for being a producer and being on the back end. (laughs) And many thanks to our community for listening. But before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Do you need help with a project? Not a problem. Check out our network of local talent development experts by visiting dcatd.org forward slash consultants directory. Would you like to be even more involved in our wonderful community? Go to dcatd.org and click on volunteer to get started.